Have you ever walked away? You ever walked away from a uh, job, maybe a situation? Have you ever walked away from a challenge in life or a relationship, a a marriage, a, a friendship? Have you ever walked away and then later you realize you've made a serious mistake? And so you, you go back, you try and make amends. But sometimes you go back and the door's closed. There, there is no going back. I mean, have you ever had someone walk away from you? They just dropped you. You know, they went in another direction. And I know if you've ever been in that situation, it's usually very difficult to take. It's hard to accept, and it's painful. Now, we might mask our feelings, especially us guys, and go, well, who cares? But deep inside, it's one of those things that that marks you. I mean, we live in a world that when someone hurts you, you return the favor, right? I mean, no one teaches us this stuff. But it's uh, kind of our intuitive response to life. You know, if someone uh, hurts us, well, we hurt them back. If someone walks away, we walk away. That's our natural tendency. That's just the, the way it is in this world. Now, I want to ask you a tough question. Have you ever walked away from God? I mean, maybe God was calling you to go one direction and you went in a different way. I mean, maybe God was pressing you to stop doing something in your life, but you just kept doing it and kept going. I mean, maybe because something happened in your life, you just dropped God to the sideline. I mean, you just dropped him to the sideline in your life. Maybe, just maybe, you had more important things to do. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're going, yeah, I've walked away. I mean, it it was deliberate. It was calculated step. And I just walked away. But some, it's a little more subtle, isn't it? It was a drifting that that took place in your life. But either way, you may be sitting there this morning saying, there's serious distance between me and God. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? We live in a two-directional world. We can either move towards something or we can move away from something. It's a choice, right? Let me ask you, when you assess your relationship with God, are you moving toward God or are you moving away from God? I mean, which is it? And I know some of you are going, well, it's not like I'm really moving away from God. It's, I'm coasting. I'm in neutral. It's uh, just creating a little comfort zone, if you know what I mean. Okay, let me simplify the question. 
are you moving toward God today? Yes or no? Are you moving toward God? Because you are either moving toward God or you may think you're standing neutral, but you are moving away from God. You're either moving toward God or away from God. Simon Peter, he was talking to Jesus at the Last Supper. And Jesus informs all the disciples what's to come. This is right before Jesus would be arrested and tried, ultimately nailed to the cross for the sins of the world. And Peter is like, Jesus, I'm with you. I don't care. I don't care where you're going. I will follow you. I will follow you. You can count on me. I will be there for you. And as you read the scriptures, Jesus says, Simon, Simon Peter, you will walk away, walk away, walk away. You will deny me. In fact, Simon Peter, you're going to do it several times in the next few hours. And scripture records in Luke 22, it says, Peter followed at a distance. And there's something I figured out about life that you always, you always get in trouble when you follow Jesus from a distance. It will mess you up. And it'll break God's heart. I mean, that night a little girl sees Simon Peter. It's like, aren't you connected with Jesus? Don't you know him? And he just walked away. I mean, he lies three times. He denies knowing Jesus. And it's interesting when it struck Peter that he had failed his Savior. It says he wept bitterly. I mean, I can only imagine what it must have felt like. I mean, he must have felt like a failure. He must have been ashamed. And I'm sure that he thought, because I've thought it at times, there is no way. There's no way that God could love me right now. After the resurrection, Scripture says that Jesus appeared to the disciples, appeared to a lot of other people. And if you read the story in John 21, it records Jesus goes looking for Simon Peter. He finds him out fishing in a boat. Jesus is on the shore and Scripture says that he he built a fire. Jesus is going to make breakfast for him. And there's a point where Jesus is reaching out to him, and they're having a conversation, and then all of a sudden Peter realizes that it's Jesus that's on the, the shore that's waiting for him. And as he comes to the shore, it's the first time that he's eye to eye with Jesus. It's the first time since the Last Supper. The first time since Jesus told him he would deny him. And it's interesting as you read the conversation, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And he asks him this three times. See, he's trying to make a point. He's saying, you you denied me three times. He, He wanted him to remember that moment. He says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, seriously now, listen up. Do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, 
do you love me? Lord, I love you. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Be about ministry. I'm going to use you. And it's interesting because Peter, Peter would not fail again. The next time he would die for his faith. He would stand his ground. He'd follow. See, we are either walking away from God or we're following. We're either moving toward God or we're moving away from God. It's a choice. It's a choice we all make in our lives. We are two-directional people. But friends, we serve a one-directional God. A God that's always pursuing us, that's always reaching out to us, always trying to get close to us, that's always loving us. And I'll tell you, it is hard to understand a God like that. Because we have limits, right? I mean, it's easy to love some people, true? Especially people that love you. But even with people that love us and we love them, there is conditions. It's kind of conditional love that, that we have. We love some people. But all people? I don't think so. We're two-directional people. God is a one-directional God, always moving toward us, always pursuing, always reaching out. I mean, who's God love? Think about this. Does God love serial killers? Drug dealers? Racists? Terrorists? Pornographers? Thieves? I mean, does God love them as much? I mean, God doesn't scoff at it. He doesn't uh, look at the behavior and the lifestyle and say, oh, it's okay. God doesn't condone it. In fact, that kind of behavior, it would anger God. But does God love them as much? Think about that. I mean, sometimes I stumble over the possibilities. I I think we all do from time to time. But I want to talk about a one-directional God. That even when we walk away, God's pursuing us. God's tracking us. God's loving us. You know, one day Jesus was in a downtown area, a busy, busy city. And he was teaching. Scripture says, by, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats with them and treats them like old friends. You know, the story starts out, and we've got the Pharisees. We've got the religious leaders of the church. They're grumbling. They're, 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 they're walking away from Jesus. And they're questioning his reputation. They're, they're really questioning his misguided love. I mean, can you hear him? Look at him. 
He claims to be the Son of God. But the Son of God would not hang out, would not associate with these irreligious, sinful people like that. He he wouldn't do it. I mean, look at him. He's relating to him. He listens to him. He he laughs with him. He's dining with him. It is obvious. It is so obvious. He loves these people. I mean, enduring them, that's one thing. But enjoying them and loving them, it's absolutely unthinkable. And friends, it's in that context that Jesus tells what's probably the best known parable of all time. You know, Jesus tells uh, about an irreverent, uh, irreligious, rebellious young man known as the prodigal son. And with that simple story, and I love that story, Jesus is going to answer under what kind of conditions does God love us? Under what kind of conditions does God pursue us? And what we're going to find in very simple truth, a very simple truth that we can take to the bank, and that is God's nature is to love. You know, God loves us when we make foolish decisions. Anybody ever made one of those? <laughs> made a lot of them, haven't we? The scripture says, Jesus continued, there, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. I want you to think about this for a minute. This is a uh, gutsy request. He basically can't wait for his dad to pass away. So it's an abrasive request. He wants his part of the inheritance, and he wants it now. He wants it right now. And so he goes and says, Dad, I want my money. I mean, you know what they say, where there's a will, there are relatives, you know, there always is. This son, this son has the audacity to say, I want my share and I want it now. And I want you to notice, because I believe one of the first words that we ever learn, first words to ever come out of a kid's mouth is mine. Right? I mean, it comes so natural. You know, one little kid's got a toy and another little kid wants it, go over and they grab it and they go, mine. It's mine. My granddaughter, she's 18, 19 months old. And, uh, She'll go over and grab a toy from her brothers, and she'll just take it. And uh, the boys will reach to take it back, and sometimes they do take it back. And she does this. She goes, ah! And, and they hand it back to her. Because <laughs> they're scared of their mom. <laughs> it's interesting. She, she spent the weekend with us, and... Uh, they, uh, we talked to uh, them and uh, Dason, he's four. He said he misses her even though she takes his toys all the time. That's what she, he said on the phone. So. But mine. Get a little bit older, it's 
mine, mine. I mean, the toys are different, mine. You're not sure about this one. Wives, go home today. All wives, got to do this. Go home, get the remote, see what your husband says. (laughs) Mine. This kid says, listen, it's mine. I want my share of the inheritance, and I want it now. The fact was, it wasn't his, at least not yet. There's something I've figured out in life that in my life, at least, when I make my decisions, mine, it messes me up. It messes me up. I mean, we're we're not told whether or not the father tried to reason with his son. All all we know is that a very strong-willed young man had made up his mind that he wanted his money. And he got it. You know, I think one of the hardest things as a parent is to know when to hold on and when to let go. This loving dad knew it was time to let go. He knew in his heart, maybe, I don't know, maybe observation had taught him this. But he realized that the only way his son was going to learn was to learn the hard way. And so he let him go. He let him go. You know, I believe letting go sometimes takes the most intense love that you can muster as a parent. Besides the Pharisees, who's Jesus telling this story to? I mean, he's telling it to dishonest tax collectors. Apparently very notorious sinners. People who had made foolish choices in their life. And Jesus says, just like this father loves his son, when when we make these, these terrible choices in our lives, God loves us when we make poor choices. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, anybody made foolish choices? Unwise friendship, maybe? A financial choice, a dating choice, a marriage choice, a career choice, a drug or alcohol choice? Have you ever made a foolish choice in your life? You know, have you ever made a choice to do something when you knew something else was the right thing to do? Have you ever made a choice that wasn't God-honoring? Have you ever made a choice, God's nudging you one way, and you go the other way instead? Jesus wanted everyone sitting there that day to hear, and I believe he wants all of us to hear, that no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what choices you make in life, God loves you no matter what. God loves you when you make those foolish choices and God loves you when, when you fail in life. You know, he continues in the story, he says, not long after that, the younger son got together all, of his, all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in what? While living. I don't think it takes very much imagination to kind of read between the lines here. You know, this this young man, 
he's heading for, for the glitter of the Baghdad Strip. You know, this boy wants to be a man. You know, he probably bought a new car. He's got music cranky, and he's got the back seat full of women, women that love money. And he's tossed his parents' values, and he's creating his own values now. Can you picture this? He's got the pedal to the metal. He's living hard. He's living fast. Every other day, it's a party. Every other night, it's a different woman. A a lot of friends are hanging around him. And he finally runs out of money. And he runs out of everything else. Everybody's gone. I mean, he had friends that loved things and used people. And it happened so fast, it left his head spinning. This kid has been used. He's been abused. He is busted. He is in trouble now. The walls are crashing down around him, all of them. I've always wondered, every time I read this story, I uh, find myself in different places, but sometimes I like wonder what the dad was thinking. I mean, do you think this father knew that his son was going to waste all the money? How many dads here? Easy to imagine, isn't it? I think he did. I think he knew. Do you think that he knew that his son was in trouble? And he was heading down it, and he was going to tangle with it. I think he knew that. Do you think he was tempted to go looking for him and bail him out? I'm absolutely positive he was tempted to do that. This father knew something. He knew that sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is let your kid fail and hope that they wake up when they hit the bottom. You know, I say this often. Parents, don't stop loving your children. No matter how many times they fail, no matter how many times they mess up, don't stop loving them. I mean, it's disappointing, it's painful to watch, it breaks your heart, but as they are failing, love them. Don't misunderstand me, don't don't enable them. Don't shy away from being honest and speaking the truth, but love them. Jesus is standing eye to eye with people that had failed time after time after time. And Jesus is announcing to them, To anyone that would listen, Jesus is saying, walk away, walk away. You know, anyone that's ever, ever failed, whether, whether it was a financial failure or relational failure, the marriage or parenting or business or whatever, he was saying, God loves you anyway. The son walks away. Son's failed. He lost it all. Now he goes from having it all to losing it all. He's broke. He's hungry. He's alone. The party's over. And now this kosher Jewish boy hits the bottom. In fact, he gets so desperate, he gets a job on on a pig farm. And although he had walked away, although he had made these awful decisions, although he was spinning out, he was a failure, 
What's his dad do? He waits for him. He waits for him. I mean, can, can you picture this? This boy's working on a pig farm. And this dad is waiting. He's waiting for word from his son. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he got reports back. Maybe people came back to him and said, look, your son's working on a pig farm, which would have been repulsive, by the way. I, I don't really know. But all this dad can do is patiently wait. Even when it didn't look like he was changing, his father waits, lovingly waits. And when, when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it does. It says after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. Here's how it gets worse. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I've told you I used to go to my grandparents. Um, I'd stay for a week or two during the summer. And there was a time when they they raised pigs and uh, had a lot of hogs on on the farm. And um, the bedroom that they strategically placed me in (laughs) was downwind from the hog houses. City boy, okay? It, It smelled. It was awful. And I helped them slop the hogs once in a while. And never one time did I slop the hogs and go, man, that looks good. Mm -mm. Mm. Oh, please. I mean, this boy is hungry. He's thinking way outside the bun, okay? He's thinking the slop looks good. This boy's hit the bottom, rock bottom. And many times in life, we do not change. We do not change when we see the light. No, 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 no. We change when we feel the heat. When the pain gets so intense, you absolutely can't handle it anymore. That's usually when we change. You know, God loves us so much that he is more than willing to let us hit the bottom. To hit that place where the only way and the only thing you have is to to look up. The only hand you have to hold is God's hand, if that's what needs to happen. I mean, I wonder how many times this father was praying that his son would come to his senses. I mean, I wonder how many times the son thought about going home. You know, Scripture says, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. This young man. He regrets where he's at. He is reevaluating. In fact, I would say he's repenting at this point. 
he, he comes to his senses. You know, he assesses things and it's like, look at me. I'm broke. I'm homeless. I'm hungover. I'm hungry. I've blown it. I'm going home. And I believe because he hit bottom, it saved his life. How many of you have ever had the prodigal experience in your life? Raise your hand. You know, you walked a long way, got down the wrong road, and then you're like, I got, I got I to go right. You know, this is not a 2,000-year-old fable. It is real life. It's the real deal. It's about a real God that, that cares about us. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Why do you think the father saw him? I mean, how did he see him coming? I mean, why? Well, I I think he had been scanning the horizon for a long time. He had been watching. He had been waiting for that day. You know, Jesus wanted everyone that, that heard the parable. He wanted everyone that reads it to realize that God is loving, that God is patiently waiting, that God is tearfully waiting for, for you to come home. He's watching. You know, Peter says it this way. He says, the Lord is not slow in doing what is promised the way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all to change their hearts and their lives. I kind of look at at the picture. And, you know, Jesus is looking at the Pharisees, I think, the religious people. I almost picture him wanting to scream and go, don't you get it? Don't you get it? These people matter. I am hanging out with them, hoping that they will come to their senses. You know, I am doing whatever I can, hoping that they'll stop running from God, hoping that they'll change their heart, hoping that they'll come home. Don't you understand that? You know, God loves us when we come home. God loves us when we walk away. God loves us when we follow. God loves us when we're far away, and God loves us when we're home. This father saw his son. He couldn't even wait for him to get home. He races out the door. He runs to greet him, throws his arms around him and kisses him. No conditions here. No conditions for acceptance. You know, he didn't get to him and go, tell you what, get a bath, get that haircut, get rid of the earring, tattoos, I got to go. No, he, he didn't do that. He just hugs him. His father looked at this kid. He's a mess. He smelled awful. This kid is embarrassed by his failures. And this father just kisses him. He looks straight into the kid's heart, cuts the kid's apology short, and just loves him. 
The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebration for this son of mine who was dead is alive. He was lost is found. And so they began to celebrate. My kid was lost. Now now he's found. God is longing for the day that we return. That's what this church is about, reaching people to help them return to, to God. Return so he could show them how much he loves you. He loves me. Loves the, the world. I mean, he died for the world. You read earlier in the Luke passage, and it says, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. Angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I've told you before, I, I think back to 35 years ago, and I just, I get overwhelmed. You know, I think about that Friday night at that camp and it was raining outside, you know, Lake Springfield Christian Assembly. And I know that there was celebration in heaven because of me. And friends, when that sinks in, when you truly grasp what that means, it is no longer abstract theology. It's not something on the pages of the Bible or or some book. It's not some nice thing that you go oh isn't that sweet it ambushes your heart it takes over your life and it changes everything in your life you you live with a conscious awareness every day that your creator the god that created the heavens and the earth and everything around you that that god loves you and that blows your mind You know, there's one more thing I I think Jesus was trying to teach that day. And and I think it was directed at the religious. Those that thought they had it all figured out. And Jesus wanted them to understand that God loves you. Not because you're good, but because you're his. I mean, the religious people of that day, and I believe the religious people today... Believe just the opposite. I mean, they thought that uh, if they would go through the religious motions, you know, gave their money to the temple, if they prayed X amount of times a day, that it would obligate God to love them back. Most people gloss over the last part of the story. The older son... Can you picture this? He's walking toward the house. (laughs) Smells like a barbecue. He hears the music. There's a party going on. He asks one of his father's servants. He says, what's the party about? And when he finds out, He throws a double-geared fit. In fact, he refuses to go. 
Scripture says that he just refused. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never, ever, 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 never disobeyed you. You get that? Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Well, when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Father gets wind that the older son's hanging outside in the field somewhere, refusing to attend the party. He goes out, he's pleading with him. Can you feel the tension with that? Dad, I'm not, I'm not attending the party. I have worked all these years. I have never, I don't even know how I did this with a straight face, by the way, but I've never disobeyed you. You, you never even gave me a lousy goat so I could have a celebration with my friends. Dad, I can't, I can't, I cannot comprehend that you would throw a party. I mean, he's a punk. After everything he's done, I have been good. I've stayed home. I've worked hard. I haven't asked for anything. I have kept my nose clean. See, under it, I've earned your love, Dad. I've earned it. Father says, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And he's found. Friends, God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. Not because we're good, but because we belong to him. Some of you have been living your entire life thinking, you know, when I clean up my act, you know, when I get things straightened out, when I put all my faults and my my habits and my addictions and my problems behind me, when, when I do all that stuff, I'll come to God then. Then I'll be lovable. And Jesus emphatically says, come as you are. Messed up, squirreled up, failing, tripping up. You know, I've said I get the unbelievable privilege on a, on a regular basis to, to announce that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what it is, you matter to God. You matter to God. You matter a lot more than you think you do. I mean a lot more than you think you do. And I know that some of you have experienced that and some of you never have. And some of you just need to know that God is always pursuing you and God is always loving you. Now, I've said before, you, you can hang around the airport. You could go out there today, hang around. 
You could do it the rest of your life. You could hang around the airport. But if you don't get on the plane, you will not know what it's like to fly. You can hang around the church your entire life. And you can sing songs. You can sing praise hymns. You can read your Bible. You you can get a, a ton of Christian books and read them. You can attend every small group we've got in the church. You can serve on a ministry team. But friends, if you have never experienced the love of God in a personal way, you're going to miss it all. I mean, you can do all that stuff and just miss it. But when you experience the love of God that knows no bounds, it changes everything. Absolutely everything. Just knowing that the God of this creation loves you. All the years I've followed God, all the years I've studied the Bible, I have read book after book after book all the schooling, all the degrees, 35 years to be exact, all those years, the most profound thing that I know, it's why this church exists, it's why I do what I do. The greatest news is God loves you. God loves me. God loves lost people. God loves confused people. God loves addicted people. God loves sinful people. God loves rebellious people. God loves irreligious people. God loves horrible people. He loves people that do good, and he loves people that do bad. Get it? God loves you and me. You know, you may not matter, to your spouse. You may not matter to your parents. You may not matter to your kids. You may not matter to your friends. You may not matter to your boss. You may not matter to your co-workers. But what I can tell you, absolutely, 100%, you matter to God. You matter to God. And the the question really is, when are you going to let God love you? And when are you going to follow Walk away, walk away, walk away. I will follow. I will follow. We're going to have prayer. Uh, We're having communion today. I will be down here in the corner. Some of you need to make Christ your Savior. You know, you need to just say, okay, today's the day. Take that step. I'll be over there to have prayer with you. We're going to stand and uh, we're going to sing here in a minute. Go ahead and let's stand up and have a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we thank you for a love that knows no bounds. God, I praise you that you love us when we are just a mess. And you love us when we got things together. God, I am amazed at how great that love is. It just speaks to who you are. God, we just 
lift our hearts to you tonight. We thank you that you love us that much. God, give us wisdom to make decisions we need to make. Allow us to face whatever challenges we have to face. No matter how badly we're tripping. That you're there loving us. God, we thank you for that promise. We thank you for your words. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.